Leonard Cohen suggested there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This viral crack gives us a chance to create something new and better. So let's talk about back to different and let the light in. I'm back. It's Mac. I am here with Teresa Quinlan, correct? Yes. Who is one more person whom I've met on the friendship bench, which I'm I'm starting to call my uh, podcast stable, though I'm bringing people from elsewhere as well. And we had a wonderful conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I knew I got to get her back. And sure enough, here she is. So um, if you'll tell us just a little bit about kind of your journey, your story to this point, I think that'd be a great start. Thank you. I'm so appreciative to be asked to have this conversation with you. From a young age, both in recounted description from my parents and teachers and, and siblings, those that are close to me, and from my own recollection, so the honesty of my own experience, I liked to do things differently or do them on my own or try them or blaze the trail or you know what about like we haven't tried this why don't we just try this like let's just go for it and see what happens okay. and that that trailblazing sort of attitude or curiosity or even strength was encouraged by most people around me which i'm forever grateful for and so in my career afforded me the courage to say, hey, I think what's needed next is this. And here's the job profile. I want the job. Like, I want the job. So I wrote the job profile of what it would look like to do that. And I'm willing to go first. Like, I'm willing to try, fail. If it doesn't work, what have we lost, really? We figured out something that doesn't work. But we might learn something along the way that does work. And that taught me so much about people and how people react to those kinds of opportunities. Some people get really scared. Some people get really excited. It taught me a lot about myself, that I'm super resilient, that uh, when things are challenging, I light up a little bit more than when things are just status quo, which might be why Reese and I called our podcast, you know, exploding the status quo. <laughs> and it also afforded me a great opportunity to lean into when I'm not doing that, it feels like I am off balance. I am not leaning into my strengths. And that physical cueing of what that feels like sort of is the pebble that hits me upside the head and says, something needs to change. You need to do something differently right here, which generally means you have to have a conversation with someone about what you're experiencing and speak up. And that's how I went from corporate to entrepreneurship. That's how I went from, you know, okay, I'm shifting careers and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. What is it that I want to do? By always checking in with that emotional information and making sure I was aligned with what is it that I want to do? Where is my meaning? Where is my purpose? Where is my fulfillment? That decision of what I did always worked out for me in the end, even if the outcome wasn't the outcome we were expecting. Those pesky expectations. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, they are pesky, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're like yeah. little flies, you know, buzzing in our ear. Um, a couple of things you said, which, which struck me as... Um, 
connective tissue, as it were, to my experience. See, I was not encouraged to be an explorer. I was, I had to fight against this kind of just, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, it works. We know that it works. So let's, we don't need to work. We don't need to fix it. You know, I kept hearing that. And um, it took me a while to figure out that hearing that was not a sign that I was doing the wrong thing. Mm. It's a sign that I was making waves and that I'm comfortable with waves. Mm -hmm. I'm a surfer and a sailor. I mean, waves are like, I want waves, but but everyone is, is not as, as I am. Yeah. Some of those boats are a little bit tippier. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've been wet many times and and it's just fine with me. Mm -hmm. And, and you were talking about the uh, feedback that you get from your body. I don't see a sort of separation between the body and the mind and the feelings and the spirituality. For me, it's all part of the same, what blob thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I I get that too. And I didn't used to know what it was. Mm -hmm. I I thought maybe I've got gas or Mm -hmm. like maybe I'm having a heart attack. Right. But it was that feedback loop that said something that I'm doing has run its course. Mm -hmm or I need to back up on this path a little bit back to the last fork in the road I took. Mm-hmm. And once I realized what, what those data indicated and that they didn't indicate the new direction, they indicated that the current direction needed a tweak. Mm-hmm. So um, off we went. <laughs> So you're in, as I am in, in our entrepreneurship, a time of great disruption. Yes. At every level. One of the things I've noticed, and then I I want to ask you a question, is that I sometimes get these strange mood waves that have no direct correlation with what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I realize at least my best explanation it is that's like building up static on the rug and then you touch the doorknob. Mm. It's the static of tension and anxiety and societal change and anger and all those things going on. So I think some of us, most of us don't realize sometimes where those things come from. Yes, it can very much be explained by the percentage of brain activity that is subconscious and the percentage of brain activity that is conscious. So subconscious is running in the background all the time. And that can be like 95% plus of our brain activity is happening with that. What's going on in the past, what's coming up in the future. And our conscious brain is like 5% or less <laughs> in, in the present moment. And so the present moment will provide us with emotional feedback loops into how do I feel about this present moment? But that's only 5% of our experience. So our body can be picking up signals from the subconscious thinking of the past and the future. So the past is all of our relational emotional history that shows up right now. And the future is the storytelling we're telling about what might happen in the future, which also creates an emotional loop. And so oftentimes what we're physically experiencing from that emotional information is coming from this stuff that we're not actually paying attention to. It's running in the background, but our body picks it up. And so that's why we have these roller coaster of moods where sometimes we're like, what is going on with my body? Why am I so 
low in energy? Why am I so upset? Like, what am I actually upset about right now? I see myself behaving this way. I have no idea why I'm even behaving this way. So from a, because part of my, uh, part of my background is Dutch and, mm -hmm. and uh, Dutch are very practical. I'm, I'm painting with a giant broad brush here and sure. very, very stereotypical. Um, sure. So from a, from a practical perspective, because what you say makes sense and is mm -hmm. congruent with, with, my research and my experience. So how do we deal with that so that it doesn't create um, false information, mm -hmm. right? Or um, false, false sort of interactions, especially with the people around us, mm -hmm. who it's like, what happened, honey? <laughs> All I did was move your ink pen. Yes. Oh my God. Such a great example. Cause I've used that recently where, <laughs> when we, where, when we stack emotional experiences and then someone does something so innocent and they get the blow up and they're thinking like, Whoa, where did that come from? And they're unaware that we've been stacking emotional experiences from I'm irritated to annoyed, frustrated, angry, livid. And now I've blown up and you just happen to be the one in front of me that gets the blow up. So one of the very practical things that we learn to do in our emotional intelligence expansion is being aware, emotionally self-aware, which isn't just about knowing what emotion am I experiencing right now. It's about understanding our emotional history. So one of the things that that exploration allows is reflection time. So if today I spend 15, 20, 30 minutes at the end of my day with a notepad and a pen and I simply, or even solitude, if I don't like to write things down, okay. even in solitude in exploring the interactions I had today, and they could be with other people, but they can also be with things and objects. Like I was working on a project and I started to experience anxiety. There's not another person on the end of that. There's me and a thing in it. Why was I experiencing anxiety in that project? And because I'm outside of the event, I, I have a better opportunity of looking objectively at the event okay. and dissecting. I, I experienced anxiety. How did I know that? What was my body telling me? Well, I was sweating and I had tension at, in my throat and in my neck. And oh, if I really think about it, my eyes were squinted and I had that furrow between my eyebrows. And my energy got really low. You're like, okay, so what creates anxiety in that project? What, what, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about the last time I worked on a project like this and X, Y, and Z all went wrong. And these people all got mad at me. Like, oh, so I'm carrying that past experience into this moment. Is any of that actually true for what's happening right now? And we start to piece by piece by piece in reflection, understand how our emotions show up and where they show up from. And that understanding allows us to extend time in the present moment because we get used to paying attention to our body. And when we notice the pebble of uh, why am I feeling a little bit of tension at the base of my throat before the boulder, why am I full out sweating? <laughs> we pay attention to the pebble, we can stop and address the pebble and manage the emotional state, keep our IQ turned on, keep our intellect rational brain turned on. When we don't notice the pebble and we go to brick and boulder, 
In Boulder, I'm driven by my emotions. My intellect and logical brain has a difficult time being accessible to me. So things like rational thinking, objectively looking at what's happening is really hard. And I just behave in the emotional experience. Which for me mm. is, is not less legitimate. Right. It's just coming from... I mean, physiologically, it's coming from a different part of our hormonal system mm -hmm. and of our brains, and it's tapping into some very primitive stuff. What I in in the work I do when I'm when I'm working with people about things like this, and I have a different background from you, but I say, here's the question to ask yourself: Where's the tiger? Mm. Yes. <laughs> where's the tiger? Yeah, where's the threat? Why am I responding to fear? Yeah. And and I've learned for myself, and it's taken a while, um, is that I have to ask that question earlier rather than later. Because as you said, once it's a boulder, mm -hmm. even once it's the size of a, a basketball as opposed to a pebble, mm -hmm. I don't have necessarily the wherewithal to be able to go to, to 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 move it far enough away from me at that moment that I can look at it, yeah, right. Because it's you know it's. Did you ever see the movie um, with Sigourney Weaver? What's the movie where the uh, the the, the you? yeah? <laughs> Remember when the when the creature comes out of the guy's yeah right? Okay, if I wait too long, yeah. <laughs> it's already embedded. Yeah. And then, and then I know that that um, how I act creates mayhem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can pick up, so we can have proactive strategies in the management of our emotions and our emotional states and our emotional reactions by, you know, when we get up in the morning, what do we do to intentionally prepare for our day? Are we looking at what do I already have lined up in my day? And even that intentionality of looking at it can shift us from um, emotionally already subconsciously we know what's happening in our day and we may already our mood may already be adjusted our mood may already be in the state of that slight irritation i got something coming up today that i don't like i don't want and i'm not even thinking about it yet but my body is signaling me hey something's coming up because i'm irritated and people around me are, you know, first thing in the morning going, did you not sleep well last night? You're like, no, I had a great sleep. Well, why are you so irritated? What do you mean? I'm not irritated. <laughs> and we start defending ourselves. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Other people are a really great mirror for us. So a proactive strategy is to get up in the morning and ask ourselves, what mood am I in? How am I feeling right now? How do I know I'm feeling those things? Now, why am I feeling that? If it happens to be an emotion that we would have described that has a tone of, negative energy or discomfort then we want to look at those things and ask ourselves did something happen yesterday that i'm that i'm carrying forward still or is something coming up today that i'm already anticipating and then we can start to explore proactively well what do i want to do about that because i might have a belief rolling in my head that is setting up the tone for that and i haven't even experienced it yet or I might be carrying past experiences with this person or this kind of event with me, and I'm painting the brush to color it with that.
before I give it an opportunity to be anything different. I sometimes wish that when we wake up, that our brain does not start feeding and feeding us. Right. Or, well, we, we have a button that we mm. push. It's like, okay, brain, now you can start. Um, I had some hideous trauma in my life, but almost 20 years ago. I mean, it just, I wouldn't pick up the phone because mm -hmm. I knew it was going to be something else awfuler. And I got programmed to wake up in fear. Mm. Like every day, the first thing, it was like, oh, another root canal. You know, it's like, mm. and I had to, I had to really work hard, even though all the crap wasn't still flying. I had to work hard to get out of the dodging crap wake up mode. Yes, it does take great effort and great attention and consistency in the practice to break the narrative loop. And when we do, we emotionally shift automatically. But even in the process of breaking the loop, we'll notice the emotion um, subsides, like it gets less and less intense, which helps us to manage it because that's motivation to keep going like, oh, this is helpful. I'm noticing the shift. I'm noticing the difference. That, that helps to feed motivation to keep doing it. The work you're doing is helping. And that's, I'm, for me, that is the progression in emotional intelligence journey and emotional understanding is we have to be consistent with giving ourselves grace and curiosity in exploring where it came from. So when we understand differently or know better, then we can start doing better. But until we make that knowing and discovery, we can't do differently. Like we'll be stuck in the patterns because we're stuck in the narrative loop that convinces us this is what we are, this is who we are, this is how we are. And many of us at our core know that's not true. But it's uncomfortable to look at it because it requires that we look at things that are uncomfortable. That's why a lot of people choose not to go to therapy. Um, two things, and my my brain always goes sideways. Always. Love that. I have never been accused of going from A to B. Okay, awesome. Ever, which is... <laughs> Two things. One is um, that having a way to to give myself uh, credit for making those changes can be mm -hmm. difficult because sometimes it, it's like being, if you have children, you don't see your kids grow the way somebody who only sees them once a year does. Right. Right? Because they're, they're like growing by... Mm -hmm. So being, for me, being able to pay attention to that and go, yeah, I didn't go from hideous to perfect, but I've moved from hideous to a little bit less hideous or, you know, a little bit closer, um, being able to measure that. Yes. And being stuck in that loop made me think of that all the Greek visions of hell, every single one is of endlessly repeated tasks that never end and never accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Well, we can put this in the context like an Olympic athlete doesn't show up and win gold today. Right. We might see that performance and be in awe 
of that. But they put four years every day, dedicated practice consistently to make incremental growth every day. And when I trained for my first marathon, I knew this. I knew that every workout had a purpose for the whole of the achievement, but I wasn't going to notice the difference from a workout because some workouts sucked and were really hard to accomplish and achieve. And they were more mental than they were physical. And I didn't feel faster and I didn't feel stronger. In fact, I felt weaker and beat up. And so I made myself a chart that specifically had the workouts that I needed to do every week for the end goal. And along the way, I had rewards built into every week for the achievement of putting in the work towards the end. And that simple reminder of recognition for achievement and giving self-recognition, which boosts my esteem, my confidence, made all the difference in staying on track, on target, and pushing through the stuff that was difficult. So we can build these kinds of things into our personal growth is how are you going to acknowledge and reward yourself for the incremental growth that others may not be able to see, you may not be able to see, might not happen from one day to the next, but you know that it is necessary to put in this practice in order to get the end result. Maybe to be able to reframe the goal slash reward combination, right? Oh, I got a 30% raise. That's a big achievement, right? Right. But that's not how the achievement came necessarily. It came from months and months and months and months of working on, you know, all those other things. So maybe to, for me, um, at least, is to understand that doing the training is an achievement. Yes. As you said, sometimes you do the training. Um, I do Pilates. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, God, why did I do this? I'm, but, but I need to say, okay, doing that is the achievement with a small a that at some point will lead to the achievement with a larger a. Absolutely. Yes. And we can build in healthy acknowledgement and reward to every single input towards the big goal. We don't, we don't have to wait. So I love this. I love this idea on a reframe of I'm going to reward every small input because every small input is actually significant. It's not small. No, it's not. And, and you know, some of those, at least in my experience, I didn't know how important they were. Right. You know, it's like, where did that come from? I know where it came from. Wow. I dismissed that six months ago because Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't, because we don't know where it's going to go. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a rock in the pond. Yeah. Well, if we use this marathon example, we show up marathon day. Right. We come to the start line and we're all dressed in our outfit. We got our, our number on us and we're lined up with a sea of people and we do our 42 kilometers and we get across that finish line and someone puts a medal on us saying, you did it. Congratulations. And we have this overall sense of achievement. But I remember crossing the finish line of my first marathon and it wasn't about finishing that race in the last few hundred meters all I thought about was the day in day out dedication for eight months 
to get there. And that's where I had the sense of achievement and acknowledgement of the work and the integration of what I achieved wasn't the accomplishment of the marathon. It was the resiliency to get up and show up and do the work every day. That's the integration into character. And that allows me to then take forward into a project, into a relationship, into whatever I'm like, I have this strength and skill set. I know I do. I've done it before in the past. And now I can carry that forward into a knowing of myself and integrate that into the next thing that I need to push through, overcome, achieve. Back to something you said earlier, which just all of a sudden went, it was a giant spark for me to connect to this, is that it's so easy to to misunderstand discomfort. Mm. And to to read negativity into discomfort, because and um, I worked on this in a in a in a piece once. Is there's a, there's a difference between discomfort and pain? Mm-hmm. Okay, if if I you know dislocate my shoulder, there's there's great pain there. But when I'm lifting weights, there's going to be discomfort. Mm-hmm. But those are not the same. In fact, they may not be in the same family. And like you were talking about the feeling in your in your throat, that feeling of discomfort, that's not pain. That's discomfort, which for me is a sign that something needs to be paid attention to, not that something's wrong. Yes. And I think for a lot of people, and for me, at least for a good part of my life, I didn't understand that difference. So yes. I have two questions for you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, given what this tsunami, earthquake, whatever, however you want to frame it, mm. what would you like to see people suddenly or over time have some kind of an insight about what, what can we give up during this time mm. in order to make room for better? That's the first question. Wait a minute, I'm going to give you the second one, and then and then I'm going to turn you loose because uh, mm-hmm. I've been doing this to everybody. Um, yes. You have you have children, right, or a child? Yes. Okay. Some years down the line, when you're no longer around to bother them, <clears throat> how would you like them to talk about what you did in 2020? What mom or grandma or nana or however you're framed. When they look back at this time, what would you like them to say about what you did? So those are my my two questions. That's a beautiful question. I love legacy questions. I I think that they uh, help individuals to actually, um, well, be intentional, to discover purpose, be intentional, and then live in that, like hold themselves accountable to live in it. So I love that second question. I'm excited to answer it. What I think in the tsunami of COVID-19 and everything else that's occurring within 2020, because that's not the only thing that's occurring in 2020, it just maybe so happens to be the one that's in our faces the most. Because anything that creates challenge or disruption is an opportunity to recognize where's the lesson for me as to what do I need to give up? to make room for. And that could happen on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't have to be something as significant as a pandemic. 
It could be as something as simple as I'm backing up in my car and I hit a child on their bike and the child's fine, but it's a disruption. And what do I learn from this is that it turns out I don't stay in the present. And so what do I need to give up to make room for? Like moments like that can trigger us. And what I think we have the opportunity to do as individuals is to give ourselves permission to ask that question and then actually follow up on what we decide for ourselves. I don't often like the word selfish as an application to anything we do for ourselves is selfish. It's just nonsense because then there's a connotation to that word in that it's not useful or helpful to the greater community. When the truth is, when I spend time asking myself a question of where is the lesson for me here? What do I need to learn to grow deeper into my humanity, to grow deeper into my contribution to life, earth, the planet, or even if we don't want to go that big because we don't need to go that big to the people that live in the same house as me. (laughs) Let's just start there. (laughs) What do I need to give myself permission for so that I can take the next step on my path? Oh, it turns out I can stop doing that to make room for time with my son, time with my husband, solitude for myself, a workout, meditation, cooking instead of eating out, talking to my neighbor. Like sometimes I think we get caught in, I need to have a huge impact. Oh my God, it's too much for me to think about. So I'm not going to think about it. My encouragement would be to take the global events and bring them into the self. And find your lesson for you and take action on it. I think it's hard. It's it's hard for me to expand gratitude big enough to enclose things like societal change. Mm. So for me, what you said connects with the idea that if if I if I lower my sites about gratitude to right now with you or right now with somebody who's walking their dog or like you said backing up your car at at that moment i can always find gratitude as an action not as necessarily an emotion mm-hmm. but as an action mm-hmm. and that helps keep this tsunami rider um better i think yeah well we can talk 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 about the you know concepts of everything but until we put until we put action to any of that conversation nothing is different it will all stay the same (laughs) there will be no lesson in learning there will be no shift or evolution or pivot that just doesn't happen right so that kind of brings me to like question two what I have specifically actually done in 2020 are, I think, the things that people would then talk about or my child would talk about. Oh, you know what she did? 
she did her circles exercise with me to help me find my meaning, to help me find in the turbulence of not being able to connect with my friends and emotionally how that was impacting me. So then how that was impacting my life, my mom stopped and went, Hey, I want to help you. And and this is what I'm going to offer for you. And in her helping, I broke free. I found the pieces that allowed me to have greater well-being and happiness. So really, I would like for it to be a reflection of I did live in service of my dream, no matter what was going on around me. I stayed the course. It's making me emotional thinking about a great question. Thank you. What a pleasure. Um, and I'm not sure if that's going to be the title. Usually at some point in the podcast, uh, whomever I'm speaking with always comes up with a title. <clears throat> so right now I'm thinking that the, a good title will, would be, do, do you know what she did? Because that's how we're remembered. You know, um, as far as I know, we don't, People don't look back and say, do you know what she felt? Mm. Right? Do you know? It's like the Maya Angelou, you know, quote, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And, yes. and that, I think, comes from action. Comes I from love action. that quote. Yeah. It is so powerful. It's powerful because we can take it specifically and we can look at it and ask ourselves, where are we in that process? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Teresa, very much. Um, this will probably go up next week, but I will let you know in between. Thank you, Mac. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, will, we will talk again down the line. Be well. I don't have to tell you to have fun. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> After all, it is a Friday afternoon. <laughs> it, it, it is. All right. I'm I am I'm off and running. Um and that's all. Thank you, my friend. Indeed. Later. Well. Bye. Thanks for giving us a listen. As we move forward with this situation, with this thing that's us. Let's never forget that we are all in this together. No matter what else happens, we're all in this together. Thank you.